Welcome to Behind the Flag Podcast, sponsored by Get It Right Enterprises. Come on, join the crew and take the field during Friday Night Lights. We will learn from experienced guest presenters and mentors that will help you become a better football official, providing the tools to put you in the correct position to make the right call. Raise your officiating knowledge and strive to become the best football official and expert in National Federation High School rules. Learn the art of film breakdown, mechanics, and philosophies. You know, every year we have an entire off-season to get prepared. But in-season, you only have one chance to get it right. All right, here we go, Saturday morning. And looks like this is Thanksgiving weekend. Appreciate everybody joining joining us on a Saturday morning again and, and listening to another Behind the Flag NMOA webinar. Today we have returning clinician, Jim Kapora, which is a ACC side judge and a division three supervisor coordinator signer from uh, the Northeast. Uh, he's working out of Pennsylvania. Um, we're glad he agreed to come back and, and talk to us about game management, the missing piece. And we're very excited to hear what he has to say tonight or to, today. Um, Ken. Yeah, um, I'm glad Jim's back with us again. That first, uh, if you guys haven't heard the first webinar uh, we had with him. It's it's gold. I would highly suggest you go back and listen to that one. But with Thanksgiving coming up, I just want to tell everybody I've emailed Dennis at least three times trying to get an invitation for a Thanksgiving meal, and I still haven't got a reply yet. So uh, I don't know who I have to contact to try to get an invitation to Thanksgiving. Yeah, you eat too much. We can't have you over. Oh, that's the th okay. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. So again, we uh like to welcome Mr. Jim Kampora. Uh Today, he's gonna to be talking about game management, the missing piece. Uh, Jim, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, uh, your supervisory roles, and uh, um, it'll be all yours for the next 30, 45 to 60 minutes, however long you need. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much, Dennis and Ken. And again, it's my uh, both a privilege and a pleasure uh, to be with you all uh, today. I understand this is uh, going to be shown on, uh, if I understood correctly, uh, Saturday, November 28th. And uh, that's uh, today's Tuesday, November 10th in actuality. But at any rate, um, I really appreciate uh, the invite from, from Dennis and Ken and Miss Pappas. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank uh, the folks. Um, you know, they sent a real neat coin uh, after the first one, and it's a New Mexico uh, State Association coin, and I, I honestly want you to know, I was really touched and humbled by that. Um, wasn't looking for anything, wasn't expecting anything, and when that came, it was, uh, you, you, I want, please rest assured, it, it is now in a very safe place in some of my uh, football memorabilia, I suppose I would call it, so uh, that was very kind, and with that said, um, when, when Dennis and I spoke relative to this second uh, webinar, we talked about a potential topic, and 
one of the things that I've used in, in other clinics uh, that I've spoken at is called game management, the missing piece in officiating. So um, in a little bit of background relative to that, uh, you know, when I first started out a long time ago, you know, everybody talked about reading the rule book. And I know a lot of folks don't do that today, but that's neither here nor there. And certainly video and has, has become, you know, the, uh, I think in some folks' minds, the uh, end all to officiating. And no one would ever deny the benefits that an official can get from looking at video. It doesn't matter what position, but um, at any rate, I, I kind of have evolved uh, my thinking to the point where I've come to the conclusion that the missing piece in officiating is what I call game management. And as we'll see in the, uh, in the PowerPoint, game management, in my estimation, is everything except rules and except mechanics. And it's things that you really don't read in a rule book or in a manual. Uh, it's just kind of more, uh, I would call, real-life experiences on the football field, whether it's dealing with coaches, dealing with a situation, expect the unexpected type concepts. But um, in my humble opinion, how we manage games has become more important than the actual rules and mechanics of the game. And it involves everything from just dealing with the athletic director when you get there or the head coaches or game management, whoever it might be that the home host school has. So uh, again, I put together this PowerPoint entitled Game Management, the Missing Piece in Officiating. So Dennis, if we could go to the next slide. Okay. And so as Dennis said, he was very kind in his things. And, and I have my uh, email there. If anybody would uh, care to email me relative to this or anything else, um, please know I, I make it a point to get back to folks when it comes to officiating. So if anybody would have an interest in that, uh, it, it's there. So, okay, Dennis. So said so starting out, I just think that this is something that is overlooked. I don't think it's talked about enough. I don't think it's discussed enough. And in my humble opinion, as I said earlier, it has become really a little bit more important. And you'll, I have a, uh, like a diagram uh, in the presentation. If we, if we thought of officiating as a pie, um, game management is at least one third of the pie, if not more. Um, and, and again, I think it's something that's been overlooked. So, um, Okay, it's an integral aspect of, of football officiating today and really any other sport for that matter, but obviously this is a football uh, webinar. So, okay, Dennis. Yeah. So uh, I think that the techniques for game management, in my humble opinion, as it says there, is critical to an official's development. Uh, and again, this is something that is not routinely talked about. You can go to a clinic, you can, whether it's in person or you know, Zoom as it's been for, I don't know, seven, eight months, whatever it is, uh, and so on. But, but it's a topic that is largely ignored. And I'll say this repeatedly during the webinar. Uh, I think its importance is critical. And I feel more and more of that all the time, including the experiences I've had on the field so far this year. So, okay, uh, next slide, please, Dennis. Okay. Yeah, it, you know, if, if anybody's heard me in the past, and I'm sure a lot of other clinicians say this, when, when, when folks like, like myself started out, 
officials were kind of, in some cases, dictators. I'm running the game. Shut up, coach. And, and if you try that today, it's not going to work. It just, it's just a, it's a different time. It doesn't work. That whole mentality no longer works. So I think the first thing relative to game management is we as officials must accept the fact that things have changed and it's just, it, it, it forces us to evolve as well. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that the great UCLA basketball coach, John Wooden said it best when he said, uh, you can't have any progress without change, but not all change is necessarily progress. So if we take that and kind of interpolate it into game management for football officiating, uh, every position on the field, there are aspects of game management that apply. I don't care if you're the referee, the back judge in a seven-man crew or five-man crew or, you know, whatever, linesman, so on and so forth. Um, so, and, and I think that supervisors today, okay, uh, one of the things that whenever I talk at a clinic, if there's a question and answer session, a lot of officials want to know, well, what, what is it like when coaches call or they send in through video their plays of concern. That's what we call it in the Centennial Conference. And, and our supervisor in the ACC, Dennis Hennigan, calls them plays of interest. It's the same concept, plays that coaches send in. And, you know, certainly some of them are, well, is this defensive pass interference? Is this enough for offensive holding and stuff? And, and that's going to be forever the case. But I think one of the things that unless you're in the seat of a supervisor, uh, you'd be surprised how many times coaches or sometimes ADs call about, you know, well, this guy told my coach to shut up or this guy told the player to shut up or something along those lines that, again, in this day and age, it's simply unacceptable. It's just not part of a professional approach to officiating. So uh, I, I'll, I'll never forget this as long as I live. Uh, it's, it's going back about 10 or 11 years. Uh, I had a college game, and, and uh, it was a night game, a Saturday night game. And, you know, until it was over, you get back to the hotel, you know, you're kind of exhausted. And anyways, I got a phone call from one of our Centennial Conference athletic directors. And the phone call had been left as a, as a voice message at about 7 o'clock Saturday night. Of course, I didn't even know this till about 1130 at night. And I listened to the message, and it was from a woman who was the assistant athletic director at one of our 10 schools. And it just said, Jim, this is so-and-so from such and such university, please call me ASAP. I don't care how late it is. I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, this, this can't be good. It's Saturday night near midnight. So I, I called the number back expecting, you know, leave a message and the, 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 the person picked up. And I, I said, this is Jim. She said, well, I appreciate you calling back. She said, uh, I'm going to tell you what happened at the game today. And I don't ever want to see this official. We'll just say his name was John Doe again. So you can imagine, I'm thinking to myself, this must really be pretty bad to get called on a Saturday and then call this person back near midnight and she picks up. And again, she was assistant athletic director at one of our 10 schools in a centennial conference. So I said, well, what happened? And I'm, I'm expecting something on the field, the guy penalized, something like that. No, oh, no. Uh, before the game even started, there was parking like cones set up for the officials and to make a long story short, folks, there, it was raining out, kind of a rainstorm game. And this official did not want to park where these spots had been predetermined because, in his judgment, it was too far away and he was going to get soaked walking in to the locker room. So this woman was there telling him, well, that's where we have the spot. You have to spray the one on. 
and he, you know, he, he, he said something to her and he called her a certain word beginning with a, a B and five letters. And I think you can all figure it out. And she told me this and it's like quarter 12 at night. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And she said, no, and I'm very upset and this and that. And I want something done. I said, oh, there will be something done. And the truth is I, I slept on it. That's one of my beliefs that something like that. I think you sleep on it. Sunday morning, I wake up, I'm driving home from my game and I called the guy and I said, is this what happened? He said, yeah, because, uh, you know, she wouldn't let me park. I said, listen to me, you can't do that. You can't do that. Now, this had nothing to do, folks, with DPI, holding, false starts, personal, nothing. I mean, the game has, it's like two and a half hours before the game. And the truth of the matter is I let the guy go. I said, we can't have this. It's just not possible. You can't do that. Okay. And, and so in that context, I said, you know, if it wasn't about rules, it wasn't about mechanics, it falls under, in my opinion, the broad category of game management skills. All he had to say was, you know, well, okay, whatever, or geez, I didn't realize it was so far or just, you know what, it's kind of what you sign up for. So you walk wherever it is. And if you get wet, you get wet. Again, it's kind of what we signed up for. Is it fair? Is it right? I don't know. I'm not that smart. But I know that the response, you can't call an administrator a B-I-T-C-H. You can't do it. And that's what the guy did. He did own up to it, which I appreciate and respect. But I let him go right there on that Sunday morning when I was driving home. And, you know, the guy had been a friend of mine. We had worked games together when we were both coming up. And that's something that I still think about from time to time. And, uh, again, you know, game management. Don't. It's tough enough to do these games. And don't implode your own career by being stupid. And, and that's about as black and white as I can put it. Okay, Dennis. So, again, game management is the most overlooked aspect of officiating, okay? As I alluded to earlier, in my humble opinion, it's at least one-third of the pie. It's a relatively new concept and approach simply because you won't pick up a manual, as I said, and read about it. Uh, maybe Referee Magazine might certainly have some references to it, or clinics like uh, the New Mexico Folks Run or, or other groups run. It might be mentioned, and, and people might uh, broach it uh, from time to time. But I think officiating has become so much more than calling fouls. Uh, is it DPI? Is it holding? Again, we, if, if we're all alive in 50 years, if, and if officiating is still going on, People are still to complain, is that DPI? Is it hold? That's never going to change. Uh, is the guy, is the offensive tackle too far in the back foot? That's never going to change, ever, as long as human beings are doing this. And it's these game management skills which really separate people today. So I have there, it involves everything beyond rules and beyond mechanics. And I think it includes best practice philosophies. Okay, Dennis? So here's this pie that I spoke of. And I put game management intentionally in the middle because I think it has a bigger effect. Frankly, I mean, you and I can read a rule book. We can study rules. Hopefully we have mastered to some degree rules. You and I can read a manual. We, we can understand who's responsible, you know, for the third receiver in, uh, in a trip set or when they have twins, who's got the, 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 the number two guy on the line judge side, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, but game management, again, is something that's not really mentioned in the rule book, it's certainly not mentioned in a manual, but I think it really separates officials. Uh, I've had a lot of coaches call me over the years, 
Jim, I want Ken and Dennis on, on a big game or I don't, whatever the scenario would be. And it's not because, well, Dennis is the greatest official in the world at calling roughing the passer. No one's ever said that to me. But it might be, he handles things well. I can talk to him. He's approachable. And that's all game management. That's all game management. Okay, next. So I think as to be a good game manager, there's a number of things tangibly that I think you should be aware of. And the first is your body language. This includes your signals. How you give a simple incomplete pass signal is more important than most people believe. How you give a timeout signal is more important. The downs, one of the things I stress to our guys and myself, whenever I give the downs, first down, second, third, my hands are always over my head and my elbows are expended uh, or uh, locked out, I should say. A gentleman named Carl Paganelli taught me that. I said, what's the big deal? He said, if you're up in the press box, there's a tremendous, tremendous difference in what you see in the press box. If, if, if somebody puts the downs low, okay, uh, he said, it's just, it's a very, very big difference. You want to extend your elbows, lock your elbows out, and put your hands over your head. It looks so much better from up top. And that's something I never even would have thought about. And Carl Paganelli explained that to me. He said, I want you to do it all the time. And, and I picked up on it. And I've told other guys that, trying to pass it on. So your body language, again, including your signals, your touchdown signals. You know, are you decisive when you go up? Or how far apart are your hands? So some people put their hands far apart, like they're forming a Y or something. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Um, even at, like, successful field goal or unsuccessful field goal or incomplete pass. Think about your signals. Think about your body language. The coach is, is, is upset. He's yelling at you. How are you looking at him? Are you looking down? Are you looking away? These things all add up. I call them creating deposits in a bank. Okay? Don't ignore a coach. Look him straight in the eye. Listen to what he says and then respond. But give him a chance to vent. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Communication, communication skills, which are, you know, call. This is all kind of interwined, folks. Uh, your communication skills. The first thing we, we try to do is be approachable. A coach is going to have something to say. This is a very emotional game. And he said, that's the worst call ever. Or how did you make that call? Or what are you looking at? Well, coach, this is what I saw. Maybe that's different, coach, than what you saw. I always use the word coach when speaking with a coach. I would never call the coach by his first name. I might say, Coach Dennis or Coach Ken, but it's not going to be, hey, Dennis, hey, Ken. I would never do that. I would never do that. It's just me. But it, I, think it, I think it exudes some professionalism and also some confidence. And if, if I've coached high school basketball, and, and if an official said to me, hey, Jim, uh, and my players are there, I, I think players appreciate it when someone else refers to someone as coach. So, and then game management also involves situational awareness. We talked about that. You could do a whole seminar on situational awareness. It's absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. And then common sense, which in my humble opinion has largely been forgotten in the whole realm of officiating. I don't see it much anymore. Um, I told you all back in July at the other seminar about the, the softball umpire with the Jolly Ranchers. That's a perfect example of game management, or in that case, a lack thereof. 
they called the girl out because she got a jolly rancher from the base coach. That's, that's not showing common sense, zero communication skills, and just not understanding what the role of officials really is. It's not to call somebody out for getting a jolly rancher during a softball game and a JV game. It's not, it's just not. So at any rate, the things that I have there are kind of all intertwined and, and, and tangibly make up game management. The, the, the uh, bullet point that Dennis just pulled up, dealing with coaches. And again, this is something that I learned from Carl Paganella. He used to tell us when a coach is, you know, on your ASS, he said, the first thing you do is you look them right in the eye. Don't look down, don't look away, and don't cover up your mouth as if you have some government classified secret that you're unwilling to share. That, that's a very bad optic for people looking at it. So the first thing is look the coach right in the eye. The second thing is let the coach have his say. Let the coach vent. That's okay, right? And as he's venting, you have to discipline your mind to think, okay, how am I going to respond in a measured, calm way? And then the third thing is you respond, coach, that's not the way I saw it. If that's what happened, I missed it. Or coach, I may have missed it. I'm working hard. I thought I had a good look at it, but maybe I missed it, whatever. But you have to respond. So number one, look the coach in the eye. Number two, let him have his say. And three, respond. And I try to say to myself, if the coach, I think of a seesaw. If the coach is at a 10, I got to be at a zero to balance it. And, and, and again, I've been taught that over the years and learned that the hard way. And then lastly, be approachable. Okay. Be approachable. Don't be very standoffish with a coach because in this day and age, as I alluded to earlier, that doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't work. An assigner, if, if Ken is an assigner and I'm a head coach at a high school in Albuquerque, and I call Ken, and I say, Ken, I don't want Jim Kapoor anymore. Why? Well, because I can't even talk to the guy. He refuses to respond. Those are typical comments today. It's not, well, he missed uh, a holding call, or uh, he called our guy out of bounds when he was in bounds on a catch, whatever. That doesn't happen a lot. It's all, again, the, the most calls I get from coaches, all right, have to do with how the official handled a given situation or how they handled an unusual situation, but rarely is it, I don't ever want this guy again because he called pass interference in the end zone. I don't think in 13 years of running the Centennial Conference, and of course this year we, we might do a spring thing, but we didn't have a fall season. No one's ever called me and said, uh, I don't want uh, Dennis Burrell anymore. He, he called a holding call that wasn't there. That's never happened. But I've gotten calls about how I can't talk to a certain official. <clears throat> the guy won't respond to me. He won't communicate with me. And, and you'd be surprised, folks. A lot of times coaches call and say, I like Ken uh, uh, because I can talk to him or he, you know, I, I can say what I need to say and then he lets me move on. Those things are not appreciated enough by the average official. And I learned a lot about that as a supervisor. And then lastly, at the bottom of this, I think all officials, all officials in every sport need to do what I call reflection and self-evaluation. At the end of a game, I used to keep a diary, like a journal. It would be called officiating journal, okay? What I thought I did well, what I thought, man, I didn't handle this coach correctly or, or you know, I didn't respond well, or maybe even with a fellow official on a given call, 
sometimes at halftime, talk about a play, whatever it would be. But I think reflection and, and, and just looking at yourself, okay, how am I improving? Am I improving? All right, so let's go to this photo here and let's leave this up here, okay? We obviously a coach, see a coach that is not happy. Now, you see the official is looking wherever on the field. I'm, I'm not sure. I would have to guess that the coach is yelling at another official. And invariably, he might turn to the official in the picture and say, I want to talk to so-and-so or how the hell, whatever, can he make that call, whatever. And as an official, don't speak for somebody else. If, if I'm this official here and the coach is obviously a little bit sideways, I'm going to say, coach, I'll get an explanation when I can. But right now I need you to go back to coaching. It might take a couple plays. It might take till there's a punt or a change of possession, whatever. But just make a mental note. You got to get back to him. But you got to tell him, coach, you got to move on. You gotta move. We can't stop the game because you're pissed off, coach. It doesn't work that way. Okay, Ken, or uh, Dennis, I'm sorry. Right, so like we said earlier, listen to what the coach is saying, and even if he's screaming, hear what he's saying. Look him directly in the eye. And, and I'm not faulting this official here. It just might not be the right time. Maybe in three more seconds, if there was another photo, he might very well have done that very thing. And as I said, I respond in a calm, measured, even-keeled manner. Don't yell back. And don't ignore a coach. That is no longer an option. You can't do that in the world today. You ignore a coach, it's going to get worse. He's going to scream, yell, carry on, and he's going to call your supervisor and tell you that I can't talk to him. I don't want this guy. So don't ignore a coach. It's okay to say, coach, I heard you. We need to move on. It's okay to say, coach, give him a stop sign. Coach, I'm with you, okay? But, you know, enough is enough. That's all okay. But at least if you respond, you're not ignoring him. No coach wants to be ignored. So you got to come up with what I call your individual approach. Everyone is different. What works for me, for me might not work for somebody else, and that's okay. What works for you might not work for me, and that's okay. But you got to have a game plan because coaches are going to question, scream, whatever it's going to be. And you have to know when to draw the line. And I can't teach you that other than to teach you, you have to know when to do it. If you're a short-fused person, Try to be a little bit more patient and understanding. I've always said, and I believe, that if you've ever coached sports, it makes you a better official. And I've had the opportunity to coach high school basketball for 13 years, um, and it certainly enhanced my career as an official. I, I had just learned a bigger, broader perspective of what's going on in a coach's mind. Sometimes we take what they're saying personally and also, it, 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 I mean, the Lord himself could be there in a black and white shirt and the coach would be screaming at the Lord. Okay, the do's of game management. So, number one, do be a communicator. Don't be a dictator. Dictatorships do not work in officiating. Not any longer. Maybe at one time they did. They don't any longer. Those days are over. Please, who's ever listening to us, get that into your head. Don't be a dictator. It doesn't work. You're going to implode your own career if you try to be a dictator in 2020. Okay. Uh, secondly, leave your ego in the locker room. Jerry Markwright was famous for saying that. Uh, if you bring your ego onto the field, it can only get you in trouble. If it's in the locker room, it's a good thing. <coughs> okay. Take the word power out of your officiating vocabulary. Okay. 
it doesn't work. It, it's very similar to the first bullet, okay? And as I said earlier, have some empathy for the coaches. Theirs is a most difficult job. I learned as a high school basketball coach that the coaches are hit with so many different things you wouldn't believe it, from parents to ADs to administrators. And this happens at every level in every sport, certainly some, in some cases more than others. But coaches in this country today in high school, first of all, they're largely underpaid. Second of all, they put in an inordinate amount of time. And third of all, whether they win or lose, somebody is always upset. For what it's worth, one time I, I coached the basketball team. We were really good. We had a really good team. We were 19 and three. And a parent complained after the year because uh, he charted the number of passes one player threw compared to another player and then compared it to his son. And I was like, are you out of your mind? I mean, you actually took time to do I mean, it, it's people are, can be very, very difficult sometimes. But my point is, as if you've never coached, you really don't have a, a kind of maybe a perspective in this day and age of what coaches are going through. And I'm sure the same thing is in New Mexico that's happened here in Pennsylvania and other states. It's hard to find good quality coaches in high school and keep them. And some of the sports have become year-round. I don't have to tell you folks that. Just like some officials, if you do basketball or softball or baseball, it's almost a year-round thing. Different sports, you could, you know, 50 weeks out of the year, out of the 52, whatever. So have some empathy for coaches. That doesn't mean you have to give in to them. It just means you have a, board, a broader perspective of where they're coming from and maybe a little bit of what they're going through. And then lastly, and it's like, be approachable. Be approachable. Tell, I always tell a head coach before every game, coach, you got something to say, say it, okay? If I can't handle it, that's on me, okay? All right, but you got something to say, say it, okay? There's no reason I'm not going to get upset with you or anything like that, okay? Let the coach have his say. That's all right. Let him blow off some steam. That's okay. He's wrong most of the time, and that's okay too. And as an official, you know, my feeling is we should never say to one another, well, that coach doesn't even know the rules. Many coaches don't know the rules. That's not their job. And truthfully, if you introspectively look at officiating, many officials don't know the rules. That's a fact. Because I don't know that we put enough time into reading and studying rules. Okay, Dennis. And, of course, if we have the do's of game management, there has to be the don'ts of game management. Things not to do. Go ahead. Okay. We talked about this. Don't be inflexible. Be loose, not tight. Don't. I, I'll never forget this as long as I breathe. Getting back to the second bullet point here, there's a school called Susquehanna University in a town called Sealings Grove, Pennsylvania. And about 20 years ago, I'm working at, it's a Division three school. I'm working a game there. And the head linesman, what happened was there's a pass thrown in the flat. Kid, it's a pick six. And Susquehanna was on defense. And the coach was a very high-strung, volatile coach. He was a good guy, but he was certainly high-strung and volatile. Well, he started yelling, well, who, what do you got? What do you got? And, and, and you know, I, I can hear him yelling from the middle of the field, who's it on? Who's it on? Who's it on? Well, the official would not respond to him. So the coach is screaming, Jim, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. So I, on my way to the sideline, I said to the official, his first name was Chris. I said, Chris, what, what's going on here? 
He said, he did not properly ask me who the foul. I said, what? He said, he should have said, on whom is the foul? And if any of you are listening to this, you're like, you got to be thinking, you got to be kidding. This is exactly what happened. And I said to this guy, Chris, I said, Chris, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? The coach is going nuts over this penalty that you called. And then you tell him, coach, you didn't properly ask the question. You can't do that, folks. I mean, that seems easy enough. It seems like everyone understand that. Now, this guy, Chris, was a very intelligent. He was an engineer. And but he took that kind of like approach to a football field. You talk about being anal. Uh, that might be the best example I could ever come up with in my entire life. The coach called the supervisor after the game, said, I don't ever, ever want to see this guy again. And this is over an offside call. Think about it. Guy's offside. No big deal. Okay. And an interception, you know, obviously we're going to bring it back, give the offense the ball, five-yard penalty, all that stuff. The coach went crazy, more so over coach. The proper grammatical way to phrase the question is, on whom is the foul? You can't do that. You can't do that. And then what I call don't officiate in a vacuum, all right? You got to understand there's a lot of things going on in a football game, a lot of things going on. You can't be so tunnel vision that you're oblivious to anything else around you. Okay? And don't be afraid to admit a mistake. Coach, I missed it. I'm working hard. I missed it. I know it. I'm sorry. Okay? I want to keep working hard, coach. Now, sometimes coaches don't want to hear that, but at the end of the day, I found football people generally are very upstanding people looking in the eye, and coaches are like that as well. I had a coach years ago. I'll tell you the exact thing. I missed a DPI call in a Maryland-Virginia game in 2009. I'll never forget it. 2009. The game was in October of 2009. The next time I was at Maryland was the following spring for the spring game. And the head coach at the time, he's retired now, so I can share his, his name was Ralph Fridgen. I get there in April for their spring game. I hadn't been there in like seven months from October. So six months, whatever. I walk on the field for the spring game. He saw me. He came walking at me like 100 miles an hour. And I knew exactly what he was going to say. And as he walked up to me, he actually pointed to the other end of the field near the goal line pylon where I missed the DPI. And I said, Coach, before you say anything, I missed the call against number 22 from Virginia. I'm aware of it. I haven't slept well all winter. I know I missed it. I can't give you any excuse. I simply missed it, Coach. I apologize. It's bothered me just like it bothers you. And he looked at me and he said, well, what the hell am I supposed to say to that? I said, coach, I don't know, but I said what I needed to say to you. I didn't know this, but after the spring game, he called our supervisor at the time, a gentleman who unfortunately has passed on named Doug Rhodes. And Doug called me and he said, man, he goes, coach Fridgen was so impressed by the fact that you admitted that. And this is six months later. I would have never even thought about it. Okay. But at any rate, uh, it's, it's a story worth sharing. And I think it really enhanced my own uh, career because I was not afraid to admit a mistake. A guy told me a long time ago, he said, Jim, the ability to admit a mistake increases your credibility. 
And then he added, just don't make too many mistakes. And lastly, don't look for trouble. There's enough trouble at a football game or any other sporting event. It will find you. So you don't have to look for it. It's going to be there. Okay, Dennis. So I like to summarize this. I call it the A's habit. And the first A, as I see it, go ahead, Dennis, is your attitude. Your attitude about officiating, your attitude about being at that game, your attitude about giving it your best shot, your attitude about not cheating the game. Coach Tom Hill, NFL field judge, who I'm very close with, he tells me all the time, he said, don't ever cheat the game. Respect the game. Okay? Don't cheat the game. Officials should not do that. The second A is your appearance, your demeanor. Do you look like you belong on a field? How do you carry yourself? Do you walk with confidence? Do you move for, with a purpose or just a move? Okay. And then lastly, like I said earlier, be approachable. If you can keep in mind these three A's, you're going to enhance your career. Be approachable. Can't stress that enough. Don't blow a coach off. Don't just shut a coach down. It doesn't work in 2020. Okay. Next, Dennis. And if you sum it all up, as an official, you have to work hard. We know that. It's not easy to do this. Uh, of course, everyone thinks it is, but it's not. It's a very difficult thing to do, uh, to officiate a sporting event and officiate it well. And the first prerequisite is you got to work hard. It's like anything else in life. Nobody's going to hand you anything. Some games are more challenging than others. Work together. Crew effort. That's critical. Okay. Whether or not you like the people you're with, whether or not you really know them, it doesn't matter. You've got to work together because the game is bigger than any of us. And it's up to each of us collectively and individually to give that particular game that their best shot. Okay. Coach John Wooden, again, hustle, but don't hurry. You, you got to move with a purpose. Okay. Don't look like you're out of kilter. Okay. I, the NFL calls this being in cruise control. And certainly enjoy the opportunity to officiate football. I, I was fortunate a number of years ago to officiate one game in the state of New Mexico. And it, it was a November day. It was a Saturday afternoon. I'd never been in the state of New Mexico. This was in a town called Las Cruces. And I, you know, I, uh, the guy named Dave Chesney in the Big Ten who's taught me a lot about officiating. He said, when you're on a field, whether it's high school, Pop Warner, college, whatever, look around and just enjoy the opportunity to do it. Not everybody gets this chance. And there's only so many chances. I don't care if you're up for 40 years or four. There's only so many chances to enjoy the opportunity to officiate football. Uh, it, so look around and enjoy that. And, and the late, great Carl Paganelli would always tell us this at clinics. And if he came to watch us work, take pride in your performance. If you don't take pride in your performance, nothing else matters. So take pride in your performance. Uh, I guess I should say here, thanks for listening. Warmest wishes. I understand through Ken and Dennis that you guys are going to hope to have some kind of a spring season in New Mexico, and certainly hope that's true. Um, again, I, I thank you for uh, listening, and, and sorry for rambling. Um, but, uh, best of luck to everyone that listens on this uh, November 28th, uh, right after Thanksgiving uh, morning. So uh, thank you all very kindly. Yeah, thank, thank you. I, excuse me, Dennis, real quick. I just want to thank you for sharing that story about the Maryland coach. And, you know, 
it, it really resonated with me how we should live up or be stand-up individuals, you know, and, and admit when we're at fault, because we do, we, we're at fault. And it's, it's how we tackle that and move on from it is, is a lesson to be learned. So thank you for sharing that story. Well, again, it's just something, you know, it, it, I call those free lessons. If somebody can learn something from my mistakes, you know, we're all better off, so to speak. So, and everybody has those at some point in their career. But again, if, if you admit a mistake, it actually increases your credibility. Just don't make too many. I think that's a good, you know, axiom to follow. So. Yeah. And again, um, you know, I want to thank you for the time that you spent with us uh, today. And uh, previously, um, if you haven't listened to Jim Kapora's uh, webinar, Don't Be That Guy, that's a, a great uh, 60-minute uh, webinar to sit down and listen to of, of how to be successful on the things not to do and not to be that guy on, as an official in the crew and on the field. Um, this is just another spinoff of game management and uh, one thing that uh, I noted down was what I took from this was situational awareness. I think everything that uh, Jim talked about today revolves around situational awareness, what to, what to say, what not to say, and what to do and not do at any given point uh, on the field and off the field from the minute you get out of your vehicle and arrive at the at the stadium to the time that you leave. So. Again, uh, just be aware of your surroundings. Um, somebody's always watching you and somebody's always evaluating you uh, as an official. So, Jim, I appreciate the, the tips and the time you spent with us. Well, again, thanks, uh, Ken and Dennis and Ms. Pappas. Um, again, it's a privilege to, to do this here on a Tuesday night uh, in, in, you know, from Pennsylvania out to New Mexico. And, and I'm, I'm so appreciative that you all asked me and and, uh, you know, again, just best wishes to everybody in every aspect of, of life and certainly in officiating. And, and remember, respect the game, be a keeper of the game. So, yeah, and thanks to each. Yeah, and so, you know, this will be uh, blasted on, on the 21st, on November 21st on Saturday. Um, we will take the week off of the 28th, the weekend off the 28th. We'll be back on December 5th. So, again, we'll, we won't have a webinar for the Thanksgiving weekend. Um, so I appreciate your time. Like always, we'll talk to you in two weeks and good luck on the field.